0: Welcome to the Bariatric Nutrition Coach podcast where we empower you with weight loss surgery nutrition knowledge, mindset advice, and inspiration so you succeed in your weight and health journey. I'm your host Jane Stoltz and I'm a bariatric dietitian who has helped over 1300 people on their weight loss surgery journeys. I'm also a solo mum lover of long walks while listening to podcasts, partial to a glass of wine, and the ocean is my happy place. Join me as I dive deep into bariatric nutrition and lifestyle topics and deliver them to you in bite-sized, palatable episodes every Monday. Now, let's go. Welcome everyone to episode 17, and I have a very exciting guest with me today. Her name is Tracy Kelly, and she has written a wonderful book called Running Thoughts. And so, welcome, Tracy.
1: Hi there, how are you? I'm good.
0: I am going to hand over to you, Tracy, to fully introduce yourself, who you are. And we're going to get into why you've written the book. And I have quite a few questions for you. And we're going to delve into lots of different things. But just to start off with, I'd love you to share with people, you know, a little bit about you, where you live, and a little about you personally.
1: I live in the Southern Highlands of New South Wales in Australia. I live with my husband, my three children, and occasionally my stepdaughter. We have two adorable little Frenchies. You may hear them occasionally barking at us. And yeah, I write part-time. I work full-time in the legal industry, not very exciting. (laughs) In My spare time, I like to do a lot of running, a lot of CrossFit, some swimming. Just spending time with my kids, having some coffee, hanging out with friends, a lot of reading. That's about it for my life.
0: Beautiful. Well, it sounds like a full life. And in between all of that, you've written an amazing book about, well, it's called Running Thoughts, but it's really around, and I love how you've set it out because you've set it out sharing your thoughts as you've run a marathon. And in between that, you've got some lovely other parts to your journey. And we'll go through that and I think it's going to be, look, I found it very emotional and I found it very inspiring, but also what I loved about it and I shared about it a little bit on my live that I did on Instagram early this week was the really practical aspects you put in there about setting goals and journaling, which we will going into. So I'd first love to ask you why you decided to write the book.
1: So, Running Thoughts, as you've already said, it's really formatted it in an interesting way. It's the first person thought process I'm having while I'm running my first longest distance run. It was a a half marathon, 21.09 Ks. And when you're doing that kind of thing, you've got a lot of time to spend in your own head. And on this particular run, the first thought was, oh, my God, what the hell have I done? What am I doing here? And that's really where I started to consider what brought me to that point, going right back to the childhood traumas I dealt with, to problems with my partners and self-esteem issues, histories of eating disorders and how that led to me having vertical sleeve gastrectomy so weight loss surgery and everything that all I dealt with to that point and how I got from that place where I was really lost really low very depressed very anxious I was suicidal more than once and how I got from that to mm. being in a positive place where I was proud of the things that my body could do I was proud of who I was as a person and I could see myself as a person of worth despite Mm. my body size, despite the family I came from just really understanding the value of self-love and I was in a meeting one day with a friend of mine who was also a psychologist and she was actually the one who suggested that I write out my story because writing is something that I've always enjoyed doing Mm. and there's the therapeutic benefits of writing in itself, which we can talk about more after. That's what led me to such a strong journaling practice. But there's also, by writing my story and putting that out there, I can give someone else a sense of camaraderie. You know, so many times in my own story of, like, feeling so alone, like, is there anyone else who who thinks this way, who has these feelings, who has these thoughts? But it can also, my story can act as almost like a guidebook for someone else going through a similar situation where they can be uplifted and encouraged and they have almost like a manual that they can lean on a way forward for them together with the appropriate professional support. But um, there was one quote that resonated with me that I read not long ago that was, if there's a book you want to read, that it hasn't been written yet, then you must write it. And for me, that was almost like it was my time. I needed to get up there.
0: Yeah, it's such a powerful book because you are so good at sharing those inner thoughts and, you know, sharing your journey, but also sharing the practical side of getting yourself more on a positive, moving forward, setting goals. And I loved how that fits together. You know, you're so honest in how you talk to yourself. And I think a lot of people probably will find such value in seeing that other people talk to themselves not positively and thinking, often we think it's just us, but it's so honest and so brave and so inspiring and so driven because you really step through how, and we're going to talk about journaling, about setting yourself goals and deciding. I'm worth more. I want my life to be different. And also loved, you did talk a lot about, not that you can't talk about weight, but I loved what you said before about what your body can do, appreciating your body for what it can do. And and that's a wonderful part of the post-weight loss surgery journey where we pull attention off not just the figures of what the scale says, but What are the benefits you're getting from? So you talk very honestly, Tracy, and and openly about your struggles with mental health. I thought it'd be really good just to talk a little bit about how professional support has helped you, because I think often people are hesitant to take that step and to get support, not only before surgery, but especially after surgery, because often things can really come up that are really heavy after surgery. And having professional support can be really beneficial. So if you can share more about that, that'd be wonderful.
1: Very much so, Jane, and I completely agree. I think that getting professional support is so essential when it's needed because we, within ourselves, can't always see what's best for us. We can't always work out what the solutions are. We don't always have the answers. And it's really good in getting professional support, but from someone you can trust. And I do speak a bit about it in my book about having to find for me a a GP that I could really relate to and who would take the time to sit down and listen. And it doesn't matter if it's a a GP, a psychologist, a nutritionist, a dietitian. it does take time to find the right person. But if you're sitting there saying to yourself, professional wouldn't help me seeing a psychologist wouldn't help me a dietitian can't help they don't listen they don't understand you haven't found the right one yet and it does take three four five times maybe even to find the right person but when you do it does make a huge difference to your life you really feel that click with them they listen to you which is so important especially in a medical context either physical or mental health Too many professionals out there don't listen. Like, I think most people who have undergone weight loss surgery have probably been to a doctor about something in the past and just had it brushed off as, oh, you just need to exercise more and eat less and then it'll be fixed. And they could have had a cold for all they know. But, you know, the answer is always eat less and exercise more. Yeah. And at that point, that's when you walk out the door and you've got to shop around.
0: Yes totally agree it's finding someone you yes you really clicked with you feel that there is a connection and there is a level of trust
1: yeah pretty much so and even within different types of medical professionals itself like I take my hat off to the surgeon who Mm -hmm. performed my bariatric surgery you know they are they are an artist they were such a great surgeon post-operatively probably not his forte. I was having a conversation with him 12 weeks out. We were talking about how I can maintain my results, keep losing weight, this, that, and the other. And his words were, you need to build muscle and take 10,000 steps a day. And building muscle is hard work. (laughs) Now, if you're trying to build muscle plus taking 10,000 steps a day, which again, is hard work. That's more than just a 10 minute stroll down the road. And, and you're trying to do that 12 weeks post-op on 800 calories a day. You're setting yourself up for fatigue and failure. Like your body needs more fuel than 800 odd calories and you're probably burning more muscle, getting your 10,000 steps in than you are trying to build. So at that point is when you need to find a new specialist of a different variety because that surgeon's. Time has come and gone and you move on to a sports psychologist, a dietitian or, or someone else who has that know-how. And even within the sporting realm, like there will be personal trainers you might see who just don't get it. They don't know what it's like to have that bariatric surgery and they don't know your limitations. They can tell you, oh, they shouldn't give nutritional advice, but let's face it, 99% of them do. And they will advise you to eat this, that and the other and do these kinds of workouts and just, you know, post-workout fuel up, you are find out the door. But they don't understand the limitations your energy systems have and how thinly that they might be able to stretch. Yeah. So It's so important to find the right professional for the issue that you're trying to resolve.
0: Definitely and I think with anything or any area after weight loss surgery working with somebody that specializes in the area is so important and I say that even to clients looking for say a psychologist to work through some of those emotional kind of barriers and hurdles and after their weight loss surgery that have come up finding even a psychologist that is really understands and works in the area because It is such a specialized area, and having someone really understand what you're going through is so important. So, yeah, I totally agree. And we've touched on this already, Tracy, talking about using journaling. And in your book, you talk a lot about journaling. And I am a big fan of journaling, and you share very practical lists of questions to help people become very clear of their dreams and their goals, setting up a really nice environment for journaling and helping you continue on your your journey can you talk more about journaling and how it's helped your mindset and what you love about it because you really celebrate it in the book
1: i think journaling is a wonderful tool for anyone but particularly more so for those with mental health struggles in writing my book i already had an idea that it was good for you just from what i'd spoken about with counselors and, and trainers in the past But I'm a very science-minded person. I like to do my research. And as you would have seen too, the back of the book, there's heaps of scientific peer-reviewed studies to back up what I say. But it was like just mind-blowing to see things like how journaling can boost brain power. It can increase immunity. It can prevent Alzheimer's and just all these Physical benefits to it as well, improving sleep.
0: Can I read a segment of your book, a little section of your book? Yes. Great. Studies have shown that journaling shares the same benefits as CBT, which is cognitive behavioural therapy, in terms of reducing stress, depression, and anxiety. This is a treatment that helps to identify and challenge unhelpful thoughts, shows links between thinking and mood, and teaches to think in a less negative way about self and life and so obviously you share much more than that but I really liked that section to really paint the picture of the benefits of journaling I think it actually really Tracy is great for everyone because it's about like awareness and we can't kind of tackle what we're not aware of and I use it because we ref- being aware and reflecting on how we're feeling and what we're doing is a really great place to start before even taking action because it's more focused and more valuable action because you choose to go in then a direction that's the most helpful for you um, but I cut you off so sorry <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know and all very relevant i mean i'm holding the book too and i was looking just thinking oh maybe i should just read that section it could answer the question yeah. but, uh, <laughs> yeah. as i was saying like journaling has been shown to release dopamine a neurotransmitter of the brain that centers around feelings of happiness and accomplishment and lowers cortisol levels improves wound healing heart rate and liver function so they're There really are so many mental and physical benefits. And as you said, it is for everyone. I've even been encouraging my husband to get on board with it. And he has started dabbling every other night when sport isn't on. He will sit there and he'll write a couple of lines before bed. And that's really big for him. He's not a literate person. And even my daughter, she's only five. But when she gets up in the morning, if she's gotten up during my special alone time hour because I wake up up at 4.30 in the morning to do my journaling and reading she will sit there and I'll give her a little notebook and say no it's time to write now it's good for our brain and she'll scribble but the thoughts there one good thing about it is one analogy I always like to give is that when you're journaling especially if you're starting the day with it which is really good practice You can put all your innermost thoughts, your worries, your concerns, your feelings, you can pour it all into the journal and it'll help you sift and understand those thoughts and feelings a lot better. But the other effect it has is that it's like you're putting them all in a bag. So once you've written them out, they're in the bag. You can close the bag up and you can put them down. That's a weight on your shoulders that you don't have to carry around all day. The thoughts are there. They're in a safe place. And when you're ready at a time that suits you, you can go back to that bag, you can pick it up again, and you can continue to reorganize the things that are in that bag.
0: Fantastic. It is a very powerful habit. What I do love about your book is you've, you set out in different sections, kind of lists of questions, even to ask yourself, and kind of leading people down a path of setting dreams and goals, uncovering what's stopping you and making it very practical and whenever we get stuck in life don't know how to move forward it seems like a mountain and there's that old saying and I don't know if it's people will love this saying but it it relates to me how do you eat an elephant you know One know, one bite at a time so how do you climb a mountain you know one step at a time how do you run a half marathon you know one step at a time it's around breaking things down and not thinking you have to take it all in one huge step but I like when things get very practical, and I'm very practical and like giving people practical tips, and I love that about your book. So thank you so much for sharing that.
1: You're so welcome. And when I wrote the book, I didn't want it to be, you know, like I say right at the beginning of the introduction, it's not a zero-to-hero type story. It's not a woe to me, look, it's what happened. I wanted there to be a practical element where people can go away and find constructive use of it if I'm putting my story out there authentically and genuinely I want it to be out there to help others and the prompts I give throughout the book are there for that purpose and they've been collected over so many years of therapy
0: yeah
1: and from different books I've read from different counsellors from so many different sources and I've kind of Collated them all to see what I found most useful, what helped me, and put them all in one spot. I want to acknowledge what you just said, but also like to read, if you're happy, the
0: first paragraph of the introduction, because Mm -hmm. I think many people really relate, and that really leads me into that topic of learning to accept, love yourself, celebrate where you are. Move into that positive space where that is often the more challenging work to do after weight loss surgery than the food, than the the emotional journey. Definitely, yeah. So the first paragraph, everyone, it starts pretty full on. Well, it started full on for me. (laughs) Fat people are useless. They're slow. They're stupid. They're lazy and worthless. I'm fat, therefore I'm useless. Slow, stupid, lazy and worthless. I can't do anything right. Why bother trying? Why bother living? I deserve to get hurt. I deserve to be used. I should just be grateful for anyone or to anyone to show that show who shows me the slightest bit of attention. So sharing those inner thoughts and those beliefs is really brave. And it's really when you start doing that, it's uncomfortable. When it we, is
1: really uncomfortable, like just having someone else read them back. Read to it. And that's part of the thing too. Like you said at the beginning, what I've written are the very raw, very genuine thoughts that I have and that I'm certain most other women at some point or another have had or do regularly have. And I wanted to put out there that you thinking these things doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. I mean, they're not nice thoughts to have and there are ways we can change them as you read throughout the book, but they are normal for lack of a better word, I guess I'm trying to say.
0: We're kind to our friends, we say nice things and we can talk to ourselves really poorly and that whole concept of talking to yourself, your inner voice, talking to yourself like you would a friend and it's really challenging. So the first step is really being aware of what you are saying to yourself. What are those things that you're saying to yourself, putting them down, but that's really uncomfortable, but you've painted that picture of, you know, that it, that it is really normal. We don't treat ourselves. And I think everyone, whether you've had bariatric surgery or not, but a lot of messages that we get given in our early life about our body, about us as people, and just a whole lot of messages get, I suppose, built up and, and that's how we talk to ourselves. And it doesn't mean it's true. I suppose it's getting to that point where you you get really aware that it's how you talk to yourself, it? but it's not the truth.
1: Yeah, and I make that point in the book too, where I start to have that whole shift in perspective and how I got there is where I say the place I'm at, the reasons I am where I am, may not be my fault entirely but at the end of the day I'm the adult now and now I do have the power to take control and I can I can heal myself I can be empowered to turn my thinking around. my mindset doesn't have to stay what it is my you know I was even hearing today that personality isn't a fixed trait we can turn things around for the better and become a more positive person and if not, for ourselves like for I guess for my children was my biggest reason to find healing in my life like I would hate the thought of my daughter standing in front of a mirror and saying those words to themselves and it kills me because you know having read the book a lot of reason I was the way I was was because of my mother and you know I would have my mother's Dan there screaming words that you just read to my face but I look at my daughter and I just I couldn't imagine doing such a thing it's heartbreaking to even think of but we need to find healing within ourselves for ourselves but also for the next generation as well and I think for a while it took me so long to get the help I needed because it was just such a taboo thing you know. If you were a big person, that was bad. You've done something very wrong in your life. Like you, you can't fix that. But I think society as a whole is shifting its view that, you know, a person's worth isn't based on their looks as a, a widely held societal belief, like more so than it was in the 90s where that, what is it, the cocaine chic figure <laughs> was one we all aspired to have but yeah body positivity is one thing but we want healthiness both physically and mentally and that includes how we we're, we're thinking and what our running thought processes are there we go there's a title running thoughts <laughs> <laughs> and a great title
0: yeah totally agree you know as you're talking i'm thinking of one of the common threads about your book is resilience well let me say that after weight loss surgery the journey is lifelong And no matter how people, how they are as they enter their weight loss surgery journey, at some point there are going to be challenges. There are going to be life pushes you off course. And you talk about in the book, you get fall down, you get back up, you keep going. You talk about not jumping on the next fad diet, staying in the basics. So I'd love to ask you how you find and work on that resilience to stay on your path in that long term
1: well i think that's something that there are a few elements to resilience is something definitely that needs to be cultivated over time but it's such a valuable asset for anyone to have in their life on their journey i think first of all the first point is you need to look at the reasons you have to pick yourself up and keep moving forward and Even on that point, you know, my book will take you more through the process of identifying your why and looking at the reasons you have for your goals. And that's the next thing. So, you need to be able to envision what a better life looks like, what a better you looks like. You know, you need to be able to set goals and see them clearly in front of you. That's why I like to journal because I can write about them in there and see those words. But it's also why I do things like create a vision board, I believe I touched on as well in the book. And doing those things keeps it in the forefront. You know, it's in your mind. When time is tough and I'm falling apart, I think of my children. I have to keep going. I've got to look after them and they need me. I don't want them to suffer how I suffered. We're going to have a better life. And this is what I have to do to make that better life. So if I can get myself up and make a cup of tea and have a shower, and then I will do this one, two, three things to get me through the day. And that's that's a step forward towards that goal and that piece of betterness. And it might be a case of doing those things on rinse and repeat day after day for a while. But It's what makes a difference in the long run. It's what you need to do to be able to keep going. And healing and living is never a completely smooth process. You know, it's not linear as with weight loss. It won't always go kilos go down, down, down. It won't always go bank account goes up, 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 up. It won't always go my feelings are skyrocketing. I'm on top of the world. There will be peaks, there will be valleys. And at that time, I'll go back to journaling again. People are going to get sick of hearing it, but it's so good. <laughs> to you. But you can journal about those great times. And then when you're in the low times, you can look up and see. well, I was at this low point before things got better. They got bad again, but not as bad as they were back then. And the point is, I got over it. You know, there's a, a, another great quote I like, which is I've survived 100% of my worst days ever we always are able to move forward and even you know I've been in some some really dark and desperate places in my life and it's never entirely about wanting it all to end some people maybe but I know for me and for the majority it's it's the pain you don't want anymore it's the suffering that you don't want anymore and when you can remember your reasons why and look at what a better life could be and write about it and picture it and visualise it, then you have that reason to get up and try again and keep getting up and trying again until you get there. And in time, you can look back at your journal or your vision board and say, hey, I've got that. Hey, that is better. That thing I wanted before is that thing I have now. And even though it's not as good as that thing, it's better than what it was.
0: Yes, I love that
1: and it's so common
0: for us to really focus on what we don't have, what we haven't done and I love that part of checking in on how far you've come and celebrating, when celebrating that progress because I think that's what we naturally don't do. I think it's great we're talking a lot about journaling. Journaling is free It's a wonderful activity. What came up when you were talking there, Tracy, was after weight loss surgery, there's work and there's setting goals and there's doing these things, even when we don't want to do them. What's on the other side of that is self-care and resting and looking after yourself. What does self-care look like for you?
1: I love that question. And I was recently interviewed at my book launch and asked that exact same thing okay so for me self-care is a word that has been completely bastardized by so many people in the social media space like they'll go and get themselves hundred thousand dollar gold facials or yeah (laughs) even more realistically just a a fancy set of nails and acrylics at the, the local salon and spend a fortune on their hair And call that self care. But I believe that self care isn't in those luxurious activities, which are, of course, quite valid and by all means enjoy them. But self care to me is defined as doing things today. They aren't exactly sexy and fun things, but that your future self will be thankful for. And self care could look like I'm going to have a shower tonight so I'm clean tomorrow. I'm going to brush my teeth so I have a healthy mouth. I'm going to lay out my gym clothes now to make sure I exercise tomorrow. And by doing those things, which seem incredibly boring and mundane, tomorrow I'm going to be in a clean, healthy body. I would have exercised. I meal prep on a Sunday so that I can make sure future Tracy has healthy, balanced meals to eat during the week and isn't falling back on, junk food takeaway or skipping meals entirely and binging later down the night. I will sit there and I'll plan out my schedule for a week and make sure I put in times for my workouts as well as my reading, as well as my journaling because they're appointments with myself that I keep to ensure I'm keeping myself healthy. I need to take care of myself. And I like a a massage as much as the next person. But to me, those things are are luxuries. Getting enough sleep, eating the nutrients you need, spending time with your loved ones. That's what self-care should be about. And that's the kind of self-care that we really need to promote. Self-care isn't a day at the spa. Self-care is I had a hot shower. I washed my hair. I shaved my legs. I brushed my teeth. Great.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And I find most of the women that I work with find it a challenge to prioritise self-care. That is a challenge because they've never been good at self-care themselves. They come into a weight loss surgery journey where good self-care is really important. And if they have children, you know, children often get everything before mum, you know, energy, time, anything like that. You know, as a mum, you give it to yourself last, what's left. So I do talk about with my clients about putting yourself on the list. You never say to a mum, put yourself first, because they never will. Put yourself on on the list and uh, showing your children what good self-care looks like. So I love that. And I love that way of looking at it. And it is not necessarily that exciting, but you wake up the next day and you're in that better place to make better decisions, make healthier decisions and we feel better overall. So I think that's really important to look at because it's all about work and blog and it's about feeling better in yourself and that you deserve to be looked after.
1: Very much so. And it also sets the tone for the future generation as well. It goes back to the things I'm doing in my household now, the food prep, the fitness, the reading, the journaling, they're normalizing these activities for my children. Like I said, my five-year-old will get up and sit down with her notebook and she'll scribble away because it's it's journaling time. And before bed, we're putting down our devices and we'll read a book because it's reading time for her displeasure. When I go to the gym, she comes with me. She has to sit in the crèche while I work out or she can sit on the sidelines and watch, which she always enjoys. And occasionally, depending on what I'm doing, she might join in too. Like I take my kids to park run every Saturday morning at 8am. We go for a run. My 15-year-old is starting to put up a bit of resistance to that. <laughs> but more often than not, he's still happy to get up and join his family and do that and put the game controller down for five minutes because... We've normalised those kind of activities for our health, and that all becomes part of self-care.
0: That is a lovely way to paint that picture of how you can do that with your family, because it can be very challenging with young kids. It's how do you fit, fit things in around having having young children, having all those other things in, in your life. So before we wrap up, Tracy, is there anything else you'd like to share with with the listeners before we get into People buy your book and find you. Is there anything else you'd like to share?
1: No, I think I've covered everything. If they haven't already got a journal, I suggest going down and getting one. Seriously, it's like $2 at Kmart, if that. And there have also been proven benefits to writing out your journal on paper with a pen rather than typing them. And it's to do with the, the neural signaling between your hand and your brain and your eyes. So I couldn't recommend it any higher as a practice. And by all means, if you need to know how to get started, I think my book's a great place to start with that. You can also follow me on Instagram because I'm always putting up posts and prompts and things, getting more active in that space. It's a fairly new Instagram page, but yeah, that's a a really good place to start. If you want to start to see changes in your life.
0: Fantastic. So what's your handle on Instagram? How could people find you on Instagram?
1: I'm Tracy Marie Kelly, T-R-A-C-E-Y-M-A-R-I-E-K-E-L-L-Y, Tracy Marie Kelly. On Facebook, you can also look up Tracy Kelly Author. You can find links to my book on both those places, but you will find it on Amazon quite easily. It's Running Thoughts by Tracy Kelly. Fantastic. And there's a lovely graphic image of a woman running and there's lots of
0: pink on the front because Tracy loves pink. We established Hi. that when we jumped on the. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I love your book. I think people are going to find it really inspiring, but also very helpful and very the practical aspects to the book. So I really appreciate your time, Tracy.
1: Thank you so much, Jane, for the opportunity to be here. I've really enjoyed spending my time here with you.
0: You're welcome. Okay, bye.
1: Bye.